thankful for the opportunity to be here this evening and preach the Word of God to you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 10. As the brother said in Hebrews, there's a lot of things that are hard to understand, but with careful study, the work of the Holy Spirit, of course, He brings that to light to us, and I pray that that would be His will tonight to teach us, and to, that Christ would be exalted in the service. If there was any loss, that God would save them this evening, and that His will would be done, that we would glorify Him, worship Him, and exalt Him. The Bible says in verse number 1, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they have not ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. The volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. This evening I want to look into the necessary and efficacious sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ Throughout all of Hebrews, you see the supremacy of Christ preached and taught line upon line. It just builds that Christ is supreme. He's supreme over creation. He's supreme over the Levitical priesthood. He's supreme over everything, the old ceremonial laws, the the ways of sacrifice. And here, the, the author, the apostle here is speaking on the ceremonial laws of sacrifice, the Levitical sacrifices, and the Levitical priesthood, and how Christ is necessary, but He's also efficacious at what He does, meaning what He did on the cross of Calvary actually accomplished what He set out to accomplish. He didn't go and try to do something, but He actually accomplished what He set out to do. Um, There's... Two points really that I want to look at, but there's a few subheadings. We'll just briefly go over those and keep these in mind. Number one would be the insufficiency 
of men's ceremonial sacrifices or Levitical sacrifice or legal sacrifice. We'll use those interchangeably here. There's three subheadings. It would be a declaration of the insufficiency of of these sacrifices. Then there's a proof of insufficiency on the grounds of frequency. And then there's a proof of insufficiency on the grounds of substance. Yes. And then we'll look at... Oh, we'll look at something quite marvelous. The necessity of Jesus to be that sacrifice for sinners. To be the sacrifice for His people. So the necessity and efficacy of the sacrifice of Jesus. Two subheadings here would be the efficacy of Jesus in salvation and the supremacy of Jesus over priests and sacrifices of the law. In verses 1-4 through we see, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. He opens up and he declares that the old sacrifices could never make someone perfect, but merely they were shadows and types of a better thing to come. And truly, a shadow of good things to come was a shadow and a type and a picture of Jesus Christ, who in time at the Father's appointed time would come into the world born of a virgin, live a sinless life, go all the way to Calvary's cross and die on that cross under the wrath of God, taking upon Himself the sins of His people. That was the good things that those old sacrifices pointed to, but they were not that good thing. And so they were done continually. They were done year after year continually, but they were not the very image of the things that should come. They pointed forward. They can never with these sacrifices they offered year by year continually make the comers there too perfect. Had it been that these sacrifices had made any of the worshipers that came perfect, they would have stopped doing it. They would have stopped doing it. But every time, year after year after year when they're done, there's a remembrance brought of sin. Their conscience was never cleared of sin. In the opening verse, we see that the sacrifices done by men under the law could not make anyone perfect. They couldn't. They lacked the ability. They were insufficient. They fell short of the effect that was desired. And the effect that's desired by a sacrifice is the remission of sin, is the forgiveness of sin. And there's only ever been one way of salvation. And it's always been by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. These men in the Old Testament looked forward. They didn't have the same light that we did, but they believed God. And it was counted them for righteousness. What do you think they believed God about? That God would make a sacrifice for sin. It's shown all through the Old Testament, even as far back as the fall. You see that God sacrificed an animal and covered their nakedness of Adam and Eve. And it was a picture and a type of Christ. How He covers our sin. How He forgives the sinner. And now, we see that the sacrifices then could never forgive anyone. Simply put, they lacked power and substance. They were used as types, but they never could reconcile an angry God to a rebellious man or woman. They could not. Look at the first word we have in our text. The Bible says, for for the law having a shadow. When we see the word for, or therefore, or wherefore, we ought to look back to get some context. Turn with me to... Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse number 11. The Bible says, But Christ 
being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats, and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For this cause He is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is no strength at all, while the testator liveth, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled the blood, both the tabernacle and the vessels and ministry, and almost all things are are by the law purged with blood, and listen, and without shedding of blood there is no remission, no forgiveness of sin. It's therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, not the heavenly things themselves with or but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the things of, of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for mm-hmm. us. I know this is confusing. There's a lot going on. I'm going to explain this very briefly and go on, but we need the context. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Simply put, the writer sets forth that Jesus perfectly paid for sin, became the mediator of the new covenant, the new testament, and now He goes to declare the absolute necessity of Jesus Christ literally coming in the flesh and dying a sinless death, dying on the cross. Because the sacrifice of animals under the law could not be effectual in saving any soul. And now he's just building upon that and building upon it and building upon it. And he says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of these things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. God designed His means of salvation whereby He would save a people for Himself This system of sacrifice of the Old Testament turned our eyes to Christ. It was like a schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. We see that in Galatians 3, and we won't turn there, but you'll see that the law is a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. The schoolmaster is not 
quite as tender as a father, but there's some severity with a schoolmaster, just as there's severity in the law. Every time that they gathered together for a sacrifice, and every time they saw an animal die, they were brought to their minds the remembrance that the curse of God was on people that sin against Him, and that the soul that sins should die. They were brought to memory every time they saw an animal die. But not only that, when they saw the animal die instead of themselves, there was a picture of Christ who died instead of His people that He could forgive many. There was a picture of that. Not only the wrath of God towards sin and sinners, but there was a picture of Christ who would take upon Himself our sin and die in our stead. But these simply lacked substance. These were types and shadows of that man that would come in time and die on the cross. Now... Christ Jesus has died on the cross. He has risen. In light of Jesus, in light of what we know at the cross, that happened at the cross, this just pales in comparison. These just pale in comparison, but they all led up to Christ. They were an image of the good things to come. Can't you see that these ceremonial laws, these Levitical practices, couldn't give any of the benefits that Christ gives? The Bible says we're blessed with Christ Jesus in all spiritual blessings and good things. All the grace of God in Jesus Christ. All the mercy that God has given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. That He should look at a sinner that has rebelled against Him and give Him mercy and grace. All these were satisfied by Christ. Subheading here, a proof of insufficiency on the grounds of frequency. What do I mean by that? There's Not only did He declare that the old sacrificial system was insufficient in saving souls, He uses a proof that it's insufficient because of the frequency in which they were done. Can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect, for then would they not have ceased to be offered? If these had worked to the effect that they had saved a sinner soul, they would have stopped doing it. There's no need to get saved two and three and four and five times. When God saves a sinner, He saves a sinner. And you can't, he does what He does and it's perfect. It's a perfect work of the grace Amen. of God. And He doesn't leave anything for us to do. Right. And He doesn't leave anything that we could mess up. But when we're forgiven, we're totally forgiven. So if that's the case, they would have quit offering. Right. But they did it year after year continually because there was nothing in them themselves that could save sinners. They only pointed to a better thing to come. Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. Friend, we mentioned it a moment ago that every time that they came to have a sacrifice, they were reminded of the anger of God towards sin. They were reminded of the holiness of God when the animal died and His blood was shed. They're reminded of the grace and mercy of God in the Lord Jesus Christ that would come one day and die in their stead. But there was always a remembrance made of sin in their conscience. These old sacrifices just simply wouldn't do. There were types and pictures. And the Lord was pleased to use these as types and pictures. And they pointed to the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in those sacrifices, there was a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. 
Friend, not only do we see that there is an insufficiency on the grounds of frequency, but there's an insufficiency on the grounds of substance. The substance being offered was the blood of animals. And they could not forgive. When we look at that in the light of the Lamb of God, He is God Himself in the flesh. When He died, He was spotless truly. He had never done any wrong. Jesus lived and did the will of His Father and He always did those things that were pleasing to God because He is God. And He cannot sin and He cannot fail. So the substance of blood of bulls and goats just can't take away sins. The writer here now offers up another reason why these were insufficient to save. And it's because the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. Right. They had not the substance. They had not the power. They had not the ability to save. They had the ability to be a type and a shadow of Christ. And when we see the Old Testament, I've heard it said before, brother, that oh, why should we read the Old Testament? Hey, every time we read and we see these sacrifices, we're reminded of Christ. We're reminded of God. We're reminded of His holiness, His justice, His wrath, His mercy, His grace. But if that was it, we wouldn't be forgiven. We had to have a perfect sacrifice. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. We saw in Galatians 3, which I won't turn there, but it's 19 through 25. If you read that when you get home, the word schoolmaster teaching the severity of, of, of sin and of the law and of God's justice and wrath and mercy and all these things combined leads us to Christ. These sacrifices ought to lead us to Christ. These sacrifices ought to lead us to something more than a, a goat or a sheep or a calf. These lead us to the perfect Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus. But then we get to the necessity and the efficacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Simply what that means is it was necessary that there be a better sacrifice. And that better sacrifice, Jesus Christ, was effective. He accomplished exactly what He set out to do. And He didn't fail one little bit. He didn't go wrong anywhere. It was necessary that there be a better sacrifice. The Bible says, Wherefore, when He cometh into the world, He saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast, hast thou prepared me. Alluding back to Psalm 40, verses 6-8. through 8, And that's written by David there. And... Um, David wasn't talking about himself. Amen. David wasn't talking about himself. He said he wasn't saying that it was written of him to go save his people. He wasn't saying it was written of him to go and uh, uh, make void the Levitical priesthood and the law, the sacrifice of the laws. He didn't do away with that. He was writing of someone better than David, no. and he was writing of someone better than Moses, and he was writing of someone better than Abraham, and better than all. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And so he says, wherefore when he cometh, Jesus, into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not, but a body, thou hast prepared me. The time of the Old Testament was over of the sacrifices. It was time for the fulfillment of all those promises, all those foreshadows, all those types, everywhere where we would see that God had promised that in time I will... 
I will give my son to die on the cross. We read in Isaiah, I believe it's 42, he says, Behold my servant, my elect, whom my soul delighted. He talked about how his elect servant would go and save his people from their sins. We see in Isaiah 53, we see in Genesis, we see all through the Scriptures. And now it's been fulfilled in Christ. Amen. Now those promises have been fulfilled in Christ. And the time that He would come in time is there. There's no more repetitive offering of sin to be made. He's far better than the Levitical priesthood. He's far better than the, the, the animals that were sacrificed for God had prepared Him a body to come die. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. I, I like this. Uh, John Gill had said this about this verse. I'll read it so I don't misquote. Thou hast had no pleasure, not only in comparison of moral duties or spiritual sacrifices, such as those of praise and thanksgiving, but so as to accept of the offerers for the sake of them and smell a sweet savor in them. For these could not satisfy His justice, appease His anger, or expiate sin. And when they were in full force and offered in the most agreeable manner, they were no otherwise well-pleasing to God than as they were types of and had respect unto the sacrifice of His Son. These sacrifices pleased God in so much as they pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ, but they did not please God in the fact of forgiving sinners that were types and shadows of the one who did please God on the cross some 2,000 years ago. These could not forgive sin. Jesus Christ forgave sin. Jesus Christ was the atonement. Yeah. Jesus Christ satisfied the justice of God. Yeah. Jesus Christ satisfied the wrath of God. Jesus Christ was brought into the world to have the wrath of God poured out on Him that we could be forgiven. Amen. It wasn't about these old things. These were done in time to point to Christ. But it was Christ that it should be the center focus. He's the one that had to die. Yeah. He had to die. And He rose again and He reigns victoriously in the heavens. Amen. That pleased God. Yes, that there pleased God. Then said I, Jesus Christ, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written to Me to do Thy will, O God. Yeah, oh, many times we read through the New Testament and we see where Jesus said, I've come to do the will of My Father. I and My Father are one. Jesus came to do God's will. And He came to die. That's what He came for. Above when He said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither had this pleasure therein which are offered by the law. He's just reiterating what He's already said. Then said He, Lo, I come to do Thy will, O God. There was a time before the world began where God had made a covenant to save sinners. And God the Father elected a people to save. And Jesus Christ said, I will go. And the Holy Spirit said, in time I will go to them and I will call them unto Christ. Amen. And this is what happened. And now, God is elected. Now Jesus in time came and He died on the cross for those people. And, now, and the Holy Spirit is going out and calling them to salvation. 
He taketh away the first that he may establish the second, the new covenant. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. To be sanctified is to be set apart. I am not a part of this world. I'm in this world, but I ain't a part of it. Why? Because Jesus Christ died for my sin. I'm forgiven. I've been made new by the grace of God. That's the story of all those that have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We're sinners saved by grace. We're different. We're still here, but we're not. This isn't our home. We are our Father's children now by way of adoption. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. To sit down on the right hand of God doesn't mean he's lazily sitting there hoping things work out, but he's sitting on the right hand of God with majesty, with glory, ruling and reigning. And listen, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. I believe that the gospel is being preached through the four corners of the earth. And I don't believe in a defeated Jesus. I don't believe in a weak, wimpy Jesus that has no authority. I don't believe in one that's been defeated by the world. I don't believe in a Jesus that has no power, no rule, no reign, that hopefully one day He'll get to reign. I believe Jesus reigns. And I believe that His Gospel is going out into the world and saving sinners. And we are to go out into the world and preach the Gospel. But Jesus Christ finished His work, didn't He? And now he sits and reigns. Look at the stark contrast. We we had we were talking about the necessity of Christ, but now we're looking at the supremacy of Jesus over priests and sacrifices of the of the law. Now look at Jesus compared to these priests. The priests stood ministering daily the things offered by the law. They stood daily. Jesus offered himself and he sat down in victory. There's a big difference between our God and the Levitical priests. There's a big difference. Jesus, once He offered Himself, He sat down. It was done. No more to offer Himself again. No more needing to suffer. When He came the first time, He suffered all those things that He had to suffer according to God's law and holiness and God's justice. And He was obedient in all ways that He had to be obedient in. And now He sat down. Oh, but these... Old priests, they were standing daily ministering the things that must be done day by day by day by day. Friends, I'm glad that Christ is supreme. I'm glad He's over all. I'm glad that the, the Lord that saved me is in control of all. He's better than all. He's far exceeding and abundant over everything. For by one offering, He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Them that are sanctified them that are set apart in election by the grace of God. Yeah. He has sanctified them forever. Amen. There's no way they could die and go to hell. Right. He's paid it all. He's paid it all. He's done all the work. And He didn't leave any up to me. I'm glad because if He even left one little bit up to me, I'd find a way to mess it up. Yeah. 
Oh, but Christ, when He came into the world, He did it all. For by one offering, He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. This is a promise that anyone you look to Christ and live, that's an assurance that you can look to Him and live because He's done the perfecting. He's done the saving. He is sovereign God. Look at this now. We close with this. Not only did He take so many means to prove the the insufficiency of the Levitical sacrifices and and the, the... lacking on their side and the priesthood that they were lacking in comparison to Christ and that Christ was supreme over all of them. Not only did He take great pains to to prove all this, but then He goes back to a testimony of the Holy Spirit from the Old Testament over there in Jeremiah. Listen to this. He he proves what He's saying through the further use of Scripture. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us For after that He had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put My laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering of sin. Where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Friends, tonight we don't serve a defeated Jesus. We don't serve a Jesus that is going around in heaven right now doing His best, trying to work all things and talking to His Father and saying, Father, if we just do this, maybe this one. Or if we just do that, maybe we left something out. No. God is unchanging. God has not changed His mind. God has not missed something. God has not fallen short. He's sitting up there ruling and reigning and watching His Gospel go to the four corners of the earth. He's up there victorious. And He's an intercessor for us. Making intercession for us. He's the mediator. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. And it is the man Christ Jesus. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. It's done. Then what? What is left for us? What do we do? Look to Christ and live. Repent of your sin. Look to Christ and live. There's nothing for you to do. Look to Christ. Believe on Him. Call on Him. He's done the work. Yes, yes, yes. And He's ruling and reigning. Amen. He did it all. He offered Himself one time. This here is the glorious plan of redemption of our triune God in saving wicked sinners. This is His plan fulfilled in front of us. And I'm thankful for it. Briefly to remind you of what we've spoken of this evening. The insufficiency of man's ceremonies or ceremonial sacrifice rather. A declaration of the insufficiency And then two proofs of insufficiency, frequency and substance. And then we saw the necessity and efficacy of the sacrifice of Jesus, the efficacy of Jesus in salvation, and the supremacy of Jesus over the Levitical uh, priests and sacrifices. I'm so thankful that we serve this Jesus. He's in control. He's done it all.
Father, we thank You for all Your blessings. I pray that You would accept our worship this evening, God, that You would be exalted, high and lifted up. Father, I pray that You would help this mission here, God, that Your will would be done, that You would add to us in the number, Lord, such as You will. Amen. And God, that You would be magnified in our daily lives and our, our heart, Lord, that You would make our hearts desire to serve You and to worship You. Dear God, we thank You for Christ Jesus, who was the Lamb slain on the cross of Calvary for the remission of sin. Amen. And God, that He did it all. It's complete. I have nothing to bring. God saved by grace alone. And Father, I thank, that, thank You that He's risen victoriously the third day and He rules and reigns. Dear God, I pray to help us in Jesus' name. Amen.